I'm going to call up Caleb. Caleb's going to come up. Uh, Caleb, uh, I'm so excited about Caleb's life. He was, uh, had a chance. Aaron and I baptized him this summer in the river, and I love the journey that the kid's going on. He's a single dad, full-time student, and uh, I am so proud of what God is doing in this young man's life. So he's going to read from Matthew, the second chapter. Go ahead. All right, yeah, thank you, uh, Elmer, for uh, choosing um, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, uh, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exact, the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, the star, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another I jokingly say, because of the metal plate in my head, uh, that's what the static is from. So I'm going to do the mic, and uh, we're going we're gonna to go over that way. Hey, Caleb, thank you. Uh, you, know my, you know how much I love you. We do need to get coffee. Um, so this morning we are talking about the Advent conspiracy. Uh, and as, in fact, you know, after Don got done sharing, I felt like we could just go home. Um, but I'm sorry again, you're stuck with me. But Don, thank you for your incredible words. Um, we're talking about the Advent conspiracy. The word conspiracy, right, um, is basically a secret plan, usually involved with something illegal and unlawful. Um, usually that's kind of the connotation that we're from. Today, it's our hope that we would do good with the word conspiracy. Um, Advent, um, when I, there was a, a definition that I found online from Bible Project. I'm a big Bible Project com fan and this is what they this is their definition advent means arrival and signifies the start of an event or the arrival of a person in christian communities around the world which i love around the world not just here at 3320 borst avenue but around the world advent refers to a four-week season of remembering and celebrating the arrival of jesus on earth it's a time to reflect on the unexpected nature of God's humble birth and join in the anticipation of when he will come again to reunite heaven once and for all. I want to take a look at the Magi this morning in part because I'm intrigued with them. I'm intrigued with the Magi. And actually, if you look at the word conspiracy, actually one of the similar words that you find in conspiracy is the word intrigue. And that was purely by accident on my part. Um, but I do need to get a couple things on the table. 
we have no idea how many number there were. So when we sing, we three kings of Orient are, we don't know that there were three. We don't know if there were 17. We don't know. What we do know is that there was, what was the three gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right. So oftentimes we equate those three gifts as that there were three magi. That's, a, that's just the first thing I just want to give out there. We really don't know uh, the number because Matthew doesn't give us the number. If we look at Matthew uh, 2, 1, it says, Now, after Jesus was born, past tense, in Jerusalem, excuse me, in Bethlehem. And then if we tie that with Matthew 2, 11, which says that the Magi, they come into the house. And the house is word oikos. And so they were not at the stable I know it's crushing many of you. I apologize for that crushing. But if you turn around, and if you look at our nativity scene that's on the back row, we've got baby Jesus, we've got uh, Mary and Joseph, we've got a cool-looking shepherd with a lamb on top of his neck, on his shoulder, excuse me, and then we have three magi. All that's happened is they've taken both accounts of Matthew and Luke, and they've just merged them together. But pretty clearly, at least clear to me, that the Magi were not there at the birth of Christ. So, I don't mean to be a wet blanket, but, you know, I'm being a wet blanket. Do not go home and destroy your nativity scenes. Or, on the way out, just knock it off. That's not what I'm suggesting. I just want you to be aware. That's all. Just aware. And probably the final thing that I would just want to get on the table is, um, depending upon what scholar you like... Uh, we really are not positive of when they did show up. Is it just a few months after Christ's birth or maybe even up to two years? So there's some time, and again, as it depends upon who um, you want to follow. That's where you're going to go. But actually, that thought leads me to a whole different thought. Uh, some of you guys know that I was the junior high youth pastor here for years. Um, how did Jesus act as a two-year-old? That really has profound me this past week. You're laughing. When he pooped, did it smell? Was he saying to the other children, oh, please pick up those toys. We don't want to be disrespectful to mom and dad. I don't know. I just, I just, those are things that go through this mind. And that's why I have to get stuff out on the table so that they will leave the mind. But you just, if you, if your single takeaway today is, I wonder what Jesus was like at two years old. I have, I have definitely succeeded. I have definitely succeeded. Because that will mean is, then you're going to have to go do some studying. And you're going to have to find that on your own. But there's a reason. There's a reason why Matthew tells the story of the Magi. It's not by accident. It's not by, oh, he just kind of conjured up some thought of, hey, what if, what if we had some people come from a far-off land? It was intentional on his part. Um... And in a few moments, hopefully we'll, we'll unpack some of those reasons why. But, um, yeah. So, remembering the Advent, I want to restate the Advent uh, so you just get that in your head. Advent refers to a four-week session, uh, season, excuse me, of remembering and celebrating the arrival of Jesus on earth. It's a time to reflect on the unexpected nature of Jesus' humble birth and join in the anticipation of when he will come again to reunite heaven and earth once and for all. So it's my hope that we can unpack the Magi and we can take a look how they worship fully, how they worship fully. And hopefully, 
in the midst of all this conversation that I am having with myself to you, um, that we will look and recognize how we might worship fully as we remember and celebrate the arrival of Jesus in the coming weeks. Depend upon your scholar that you want to track down and run with. The Magi were not Jews. Uh, they didn't have a faith. And in fact, many of them consider them either being pagans, they were magicians, or they were astrologers. Um, obviously from the East. Others might believe that they were Jews who had been there since the um, exile into Babylon, uh, which, would be, which would have happened about 600 or so years prior that they never made it back to Israel. And so... There are some who believe that, that there, that there were Jews that, that were there. Personally, not being the scholar, I'm not a scholar. That's probably your second takeaway besides the fact how did Jesus, Elmer's not a scholar. Um, but I kind of lean that they're, that they're pagans. That's kind of where I lean. Um, it's one of those things where, for me, I, I'm just an average dude, but I love seeing how God partners with those who will hear him. And let me say that again. I'm an average dude, but I love how God partners with people who will listen to him. And I, I just think that, and that's probably what is part of the intrigue with the Magi, because I, I do lean that they were probably pagan, they were probably Gentiles that were coming. And so let's unpack this Magi journey and how they worship fully, and let's see what we can learn. First off, here's my contention. I really believe that these guys, that the Magi read and heard the word of God and they responded to it. I was a um, long, long time ago, and his name escapes me, but there's a church, uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Who's the pastor there? Who was the pastor? Wow, they're all terrible people. That's okay. All right, so, um, but what I remember about that is there was a video, they were doing videos. This was probably 15 years ago. They were doing videos, and there was this gal who was sharing her story there in New York City, how she was in a crack house reading the Word of God. As they were getting high, they were reading the Word of God. And I sat there and listened to that going, huh, that doesn't sound like a Sunday school class to me. But I, I guess I'm okay with that. Here would be funny. Some six years later, I'd have a group of college kids in that room over there. And they, it wasn't crack, but it was dope. And they were smoking weed while they were reading the Word of God. And I'm going, huh, Lewis County, we've come a long way. I love how God uses people who will listen to him and read about it. And what we, I just, I love that they don't look like maybe we think they ought to look. And that's probably my favorite thing about, one of my favorite things about the Magi is that they read the Word of God, they hear it, and then they respond to it. Because it, no doubt, if, because my contention is they're probably from the Babylon, that, that, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. And what would happen is they had to hear the stories about Daniel, Right? Daniel being a lion's den, that was a story they heard. It was probably in their shelf that they read. 
They probably have heard the stories of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into the furnace and that there was a fourth person in the furnace. They probably heard those stories and heard the proclamations that the God of Israel was the true God. So for them to have read God's word and being pagan, being Gentiles, God's cool with that. I mean, come on. This is the same God who used a prostitute. You just let that sink in for a moment, right? We have, we have a really messed up Bible family tree. Are you guys aware of that? You know, the first two brothers murdered one of them. You know, it's, 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 really, it's really complicated. It's really complicated. But I love the fact that these magi hear the word of God and they answer it. I want to show you a, a picture. So let's show the picture of my Bible. So this is the picture of my Bible. Actually, this Bible I just noticed uh, this week. It was given to me on Christmas Day in 1983 for my youth group in St. Helens, Oregon. It was 40 years old. I've had to have a rebound. But I want you to see it in the middle section there. That's why I want, to, I want you to note that those are hyperlinks. Okay, when, well, oftentimes when I'm sending out emails, specifically if you're new, I'm saying to you, hey, here's a link. It's going to send you to Next Steps class. Or I'm going to, here's a link. It's going to tell you how to get, get involved with the ladies uh, group that's happening on December 15th. I'm sending that stuff to you all the time. And this is Matthew's hyperlink. And I want you to know that it, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's, I just love it. Because in Matthew 2, 2, the hyperlink is back to Numbers 24, 17. Let me read it to you. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. As the Magi had been reading the Torah. And they knew that there was something special. A star was coming there, there was going to be a scepter, which is representation of a king, is coming to Israel. What's awesome, not really, is the fact that nobody in Jerusalem got that. So they come to Jerusalem and they're asking, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and, and we've come to worship him. And in verse 3, it says that King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And I just, I, just, I just love, guys, that God partners with pagans, or word for us, but Gentile, to proclaim and to let the world know, my son has been born. Again, God uses people who will hear him and listen to him. And he's like, all right, let's do it. I just love that about my magi, about the magi, not my magi. I apologize for that. Um, hold on a second, get my notes. Oh, another note to self, and note to self, is that the magi say, hey, a king is being born. They figure out that it's going to be in Bethlehem, and all the king does is says, hey, when you go, let me know, and get back to me. No chief priests, no scribes, no really important say, hey, can we go with you? Because we'd really like to see who the king of the Jews is. It was after, it was just no thought at all. These magi, they have no idea what they're talking about. 
They got no idea. But that's how God works. He'll work with people who will listen and hear and then respond to them. If you want, uh, um, excuse me, another hyperlink comes from Isaiah 60, verse 3. The Gentiles shall come to the light and kings to the brightness of his rising. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. If you want to worship fully, hear and read the word of God and respond to it as you remember and celebrate the arrival of Jesus this Advent season. Secondly, something I love about the Magi is that they were intentional. I'm fascinated with them. In so many areas, and, and there's no way that I can name all the areas that I'm fascinated, but let's just make some observations, just from 20,000 foot observations. Probably traveled by camel. I'm guessing the caravan hadn't been uh, invented by then as far as what I drove, uh, which was, I drove in the uh, late 90s as I ran my family around uh, in the caravan, the Dodge caravan. Uh, my guess is the v, the the <clears throat> VW Beetle wasn't there where they can all pile in and, and just hang out and, hey, let's, let's take a cruise. Probably traveling by camel. Uh, probably traveling somewhere between 15 and 20 miles a day. In part because each day they had to tear down the camp, travel, and then set camp up. Guys, they were carrying gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It wasn't just a few of them. There had to be a a large contingency of people that were helping these magi get across. We have Google, right? Right, that's what we use now. But man, they gotta know where water is. And then, you know, the junior high youth pastor is wondering where they're going to the bathroom, but I, we won't have to talk about that. Um, But they had to bring provisions they had to bring provisions not only for them, but for those who were helping them get there. And guys, there was an investment. There was a financial investment on this journey that um, was huge, not just because the gifts were valuable, but there was a financial investment they made. And what I, w- what I would tell you is that their investment, it was an intentional investment that they were willing to spend on following a star. I wonder how well that went at home. Hey, babe, I'm gonna head out, gonna follow a star. I'm gonna cash in all the savings, and uh, yeah, I got John, Joe, Fred, Tony, we're all going. Really. True story. Back in 1983, 84, there's a pastor friend of mine in St. Helens, Oregon. <clears throat> There's a couple of you know who he is, so I'm going to say the first name because he may think that the story is wrong, but I, this is how I remember it. His name was Jamie, and he came to me one day, and he said, Hey, Elmer, let's go down to the Bay Area because that's where my family lives. My, my parents lived at the time. And um, there is sunken treasure out in the San Francisco Bay. We can go down on my motorcycle, we can spend a couple weeks, we can rent scuba gear, and we can um, go find the, the hidden treasure. We can stay at your parents' house. It will be great. What are you talking about? I had no clue what he was talking about. 
And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not happening. The redhead would kill me, number one. Number two, I don't even like water. It is by far my, I've almost drowned a couple times. I don't like water, and I don't want to put scuba gear on. No, 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 no. But there, I think of the Magi. That's what they had to do. They had to go home. Hey, this is what we're doing. They were willing to make an intentional investment, an intentional investment following a star. And I wasn't even willing to go down to San Francisco, which is about a 750, 800-mile trip. About the same distance maybe they came. I don't know, maybe. But I wasn't willing to do it. And I love the Magi that they were intentional. How will you, this Advent season, worship fully with intentionality? What does it even look like for you and me? I got some questions for you. These are for you to ponder. What do you want to experience this year during Advent? What do you want to experience this year during Advent? What practical choices do you need to make to ensure that Advent will be intentional? What are some specific ways in which our contemporary celebrations of Christmas moves us to intentionality to worship fully? And what intentional investment can you make that will help bring God's kingdom here to earth? And how will you this Advent season worship fully, intentionally? The third thing I love about the Magi is that they were joyful. Verses 9 and 10, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. The star they had seen stopped, excuse me, when it rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. As you remember and celebrate the arrival of Jesus this Advent season, how will you be joyful? In the midst of the hustle and the bustle and the wrappings and the schedule and the busyness and the craziness of the season, how will you be joyful? I have a thought, which is sometimes not a good idea, but I have a thought. What is something, I need to do a little, uh, there we go. I could see the little holes. Can see these are sixty-three-year-old eyes. Um, what is something that you could say no to? What is something that you could say no? Not because it isn't good, or or because it's bad, but what could you not do that would allow you to be present? with a heart that is joyful as you worship fully. Fourth thing is they humble themselves and they worship the Christ child. Matthew 2, 2, they came to worship. Verse 2, 11, they bowed down and worshiped him and they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, 
and myrrh. Matthew provides for us yet another hyperlink. Again, back to Isaiah 60, this time from verse 6. From the NIV, it says, Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephat. And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense, and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. These were considered standard gifts to honor a king. Gold as precious metal, frankincense as perfume and, or incense, and myrrh as anointing oil. Each gift of extreme value, extreme value. And more than likely, those gifts would assist them. As God would tell Joseph in a dream that they had better head to Egypt. His Herod is coming for Finally, they obeyed God over man, which leads me back to number one, that they heard and they read and they responded. The Magi, I remember, probably pagan, listened to God speak to them as in their dreams and acted in obedience, not in fear of what the king would do to them. What motivates us this Advent season? Is it God? Or is it men? Is it what God desires to do in our lives? Or is it what we can portray to men? The Magi were not uh, very motivated by how many likes that they were getting on their social media accounts. They just didn't care. They heard the word of God. They read the word of God. And they responded to it. And they obeyed God over men. If you want to fully worship, excuse me, worship fully, like the Magi, read and hear God's word, respond to it as you remember and celebrate the arrival of Jesus' Advent season. Be intentional over the coming weeks. Be joyful. Maybe stop something. Humble yourself and worship the Christ child and look to be obedient to God over men. Advent refers to us remembering and celebrating the revival, the arrival of Jesus on earth. It's a time to reflect on the unexpected nature of Jesus, humble birth, and join in the anticipation of when he will come again to reunite heaven and earth once and for all. Worship fully, go be magi.